This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. The two charges were that Jesus was the Messiah and Jesus was God. And Caiaphas combined them. He didn't say, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? He combined them which shows that Caiaphas has some knowledge, possibly, of the link between the Messiah and God. It shows that Caiaphas may have had some knowledge that the Messiah was gonna be God. This is not a Jewish view. This is not a Jewish view, and we can imagine that God may have revealed this to Caiaphas that the Messiah is gonna be God. And when Christ reveals to Caiaphas that, yes, he is the Messiah God, he is Messiah and God, the link, Christ did not elaborate on himself being the Messiah, but Christ elaborated on himself being God when Christ said in in his answer, moreover, hereafter you'll see the Son of Man coming in power. So when Christ did clearly state that he was the Messiah God, Messiah and God. Caiaphas reacted. And his reaction is verse 65, verse 65. And then the high priest ran his clothes saying, he spoke in blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you've heard his blasphemy. So Caiaphas pronounces in verse 65, he's spoken blasphemy. Caiaphas is quick to call what Christ said blasphemy. Why? He's prejudiced. He's prejudiced against Christ. It's not blasphemy if it's true. If it's true. And that's the question that the Sanhedrin needed to be focused on as the official court there. They should have addressed, looked at, and examined all the words of Jesus and all the works in Jesus' life and all the scriptures that Jesus fulfilled in order for that court to determine, did Jesus speak blasphemy or did he speak truth? Was Jesus the Messiah or was he an imposter? Did Jesus lie or did he tell the truth? Was Jesus the son of Joseph or was he the son of God, God the son. Is Jesus the prisoner being judged or is Jesus the judge? Was Jesus no longer a Jew or is Jesus the king of the Jews? Was Jesus to be 
worshipped or was he to be crucified? Should Jesus be put to death or is Jesus the one who raises the dead out of life, raises the dead to life? Was Jesus just a poor man or was he God manifested in the flesh? Was Jesus out of his mind or did Jesus put others into their right mind? Was Jesus in league with Satan or was Jesus the conqueror, the defeater of Satan? These are the questions that the court needed to answer by taking into account all the words of Jesus. They had three years of it and all the works of Jesus and the scriptures that he fulfilled. Now, these questions are based on opposite sides to take. And a person has to choose which side he's on regarding Jesus Christ. Because these are the questions that must be answered, and they all really come down. All those questions come down to one simple question. Matthew 16, 15, Matthew 16, 15. Whom say ye that I am? And fortunately in life, fortunately in life, you know, when you vote, we voted in November, when you vote, you know, you mark the ballot and you send it in. I think there's an option to change your mind. I don't know about it, but I saw something on it. But fortunately in life, God does allow changes to the wrong answers, to the right answer. And that's called repentance. And God rewards the sinner who changes with a gift called salvation. But right up to the last breath in life, changes are allowed. And that's called grace. And when Jesus claimed to be God the Son, there are only two choices for a response. Accept his claim and on your knees, on your face, fall down and worship Christ. Or reject his claim and join the chorus of crucify him. It all comes down to Matthew 16, 15. Matthew 16, 15. Whom say ye that I am? And to this point in the trial, the high priest and the judge has made three very profound statements. They're so important, they're so profound, the high priest doesn't even realize the eternal significance of his statements. The first words, as he's standing up there, in verse 65, verse 65, he hath spoken blasphemy. Christ made two claims in verse 64. First claim, I'm the Messiah. Second claim, I'm God. It was that second claim, I am God, that the high priest ruled blasphemy. This is the cornerstone correct answer to the question of Matthew 16, 15, Matthew 16, 15. Whom say ye that I am? This is the cornerstone truth about Jesus Christ. This is the most important truth about Jesus Christ. True. Jesus Christ is the only Messiah. True, Jesus Christ was the greatest prophet ever. True, Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher ever. True, Jesus Christ was the greatest leader ever. True, Jesus Christ was the greatest man ever. But the greatest truth about Jesus Christ that far surpasses 
all those other truths about him is that Jesus Christ is God, is that Jesus Christ is 1 Timothy 3.16. 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifested in the flesh. And that Jesus Christ is God is the most important truth about him, and that's the charge that the high priest condemned him to death over. Jesus Christ was condemned by the high priest because he claimed to be God. And this is what makes the high priest's statement so important when when he says in verse 65, he hath spoken blasphemy. With those words, he hath spoken blasphemy, the high priest in his official capacity, in essence, was making a formal statement Let there be no doubt that I, as the official high priest, am making the proclamation that Jesus Christ claims to be God. In all of life, and all the time that Jesus Christ was here on earth, it was never so stated publicly that Jesus Christ was God until now until this high priest, speaking before the leaders of Israel, said, verse 65, he hath spoken blasphemy. And if anyone ever says to you, oh, Jesus Christ never claimed to be God, they only have to look at verse 65 to see that the reason Jesus Christ was condemned to death was because Jesus Christ claimed to be God. And when Jesus Christ claimed to be God the, God the Son, there was nothing that could be said to make his statement less offensive, especially to the Jews. When Jesus Christ claimed to be God the Son, each person, again, either has to bow to Jesus Christ or condemn Jesus Christ. A person cannot hear Jesus Christ is God the Son, and not make a decision to either bow or or condemn. Because to hear that Jesus Christ is God and not bow, to act indifferent, that's called passive aggression. That's a passive-aggressive act of condemnation. And when the high priest hears that Jesus Christ claimed to be God the Son, the high priest chose to condemn Jesus Christ to death. And when everyone in that room heard that Jesus Christ make the statement that he's God the Son, every person experienced that moment when God hit the great pause button in their lives. And when that pause button was pressed by God, each person had a moment to stop and consider the question, what if it's really true? Wait a second. He's just claimed to be God. What if he is? What if Jesus Christ really is God the Son? What if Jesus Christ really is my creator? What if Jesus Christ really is my judge? What if I'm what if I'm really heading straight down the road to hell? What if Jesus Christ really could redeem me from hell? That's the pause button. And when God hits that pause button in life, that's the time to consider the great what if And that's the moment. This is the moment. I mean, it's kind of personal, kind of the whole movie, Fiddler on the Roof. For me, 
comes down to one spear point that gets me more than anything else. It's when in Fiddler on the Roof, Tevya is approached by his daughter, Chava, who has married the Russian. She married the Gentile. And Chava finds Tevya alone in the field. He's pushing his milk cart. And she cries to her father, Father, I beg of you, accept us. And Tevya has this great pause button pressed in his life when he sits there in his so-called on the other hand scene. He says, on the other hand, he goes with his voice, Topo, can I deny my daughter? And he goes back and forth on that kind of stuff. And then he says, he finally says, on the other hand, can I turn my back on my, he goes through, faith, people, traditions. And then he tries to go back the other side. On the other hand, and he goes, no, there is no other hand. Everyone in that court had his pause button pressed when he heard that Jesus Christ claimed to be God the Son. And just like Tevya had his pause button pressed when his daughter said to him, Father, I beg you to accept us. And he said, on the other hand, each one for a moment with his pause button pressed in his life had his on the other hand moment, which was, on the other hand, if Jesus Christ really is God the Son, I'm desperately wrong. But just like Tevya, who said, no, there is no other hand, those men in that court said, no, there is no other hand in verse 66, verse 66. They answered and said, he is guilty of death. So coming off, coming off the pressed pause button to the place of, no, there is no other hand, is what the Bible calls drawing back. Drawing back, Hebrews 10.38, Hebrews 10.38. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we're not of them who draw back unto perdition. The problem with drawing back from the pause button are, are the two words that follow draw back in Hebrews 10.39, Hebrews 10.39. And those two words are unto perdition, unto perdition. It would have been better for those men not to have had the pause button pressed in their lives than for them to draw back because after God presses the draw button, a pause button, if God presses the pause button in life and the person then draws back, he draws back unto perdition, which means he commits spiritual suicide. And when a person draws back, he faces the one. He's drawing back and he's moving backwards. And the Bible says that when a person draws, does that, that his back is toward where he is going. That means that a person can't see where he is going. He's backing up, and the Bible says that to draw back from Jesus Christ is to draw back into hell. Hebrews 10, 39, Hebrews 10, 39, draw back unto perdition. And the next mighty statement that the high priest made here in verse 65 is, what further need have we of witnesses, question mark? That's a powerful statement because it has a tremendous double meaning. What further need have we of witnesses? The truth is, yes, high priest, you are right. You have no further need of witnesses 
to testify to the fact that Jesus Christ is God because there's no further need of witnesses after you have had the witness of the healing of that member, crippled man who was carried by four men in Mark 2, Mark 2, Mark 2, 3. They came unto him bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four and when they could not come unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was and let him down on his bed, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, probably still in that courtroom. They were sitting there and reasoning their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Immediately when Jesus perceived in the spirit that they reasoned with themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your heart? What's easier to say the sick of the palsy? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk? that you may know that the Son of Man hath power enough to forgive sins. He saith to the sake of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thy house. Immediately he rose, took up his bed. Yes, they heard Jesus Christ forgive that man's sins in that room. And that only God can do that. And they saw the witness of the healing. They had no further need of witnesses. No. They had no further witnesses because of what happened to a, a man lying by a pool of water pathetically on Sabbath day, John 5, 5, John 5, 5. Certain man was there, had been infirmity 30 and 8 years. Jesus saw him lie, he knew he had been there a long time. He saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? The man said, sir, I have no man. The water is troubled. Put me in the pool, I'm coming. Jesus saith to him, rise, take up thy bed, walk immediately. Man made whole, took up his bed. Same day was the Sabbath. Jews therefore sent unto him, they secured. It's a Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He said, he made me whole. He said to me, take up the bed, walk. They asked him, what man is that who said unto you, take up thy bed and walk? He was healed and knew not. Jesus went away. Afterward, Jesus finding him in the temple, behold, thou art made whole, sin no more. Man departs, tells the Jews, it was Jesus made him whole. Therefore, they, Jews persecuted Jesus, sought to kill him because he'd done these things on the Sabbath day. Jesus answered them and said, my father works here too, I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only broke in the Sabbath, but that he also said God was his father, making himself equal with God. They saw that man. They saw the healing of that man. They knew that he had become, he said he was equal to God. They had no further need of witnesses, no. When Jesus Christ it was talking about protecting his people like a shepherd, like they were sheep and God the Father protecting them. When they heard that, they had no further need of witnesses. John 10, 27, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither, pluck them, neither any man pluck them out of the hand. I and my Father are one. The Jews took up stone again to stone him. Je Jesus answered, many good works have I showed you for my father. Which of these works do you stone me? Jesus answered saying, good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy because thou being a man makest thyself God. When they heard in John 10, 30, John 10, 30, when they heard Jesus Christ say, I am my father one, they knew he was claiming to be God. They didn't need it. any more witnesses. We have no further need of witnesses. It was a profound statement. We have no further witnesses. Abraham, in essence, said that to a rich man in Luke 16, 22. Luke 16, 22, that woke up in hell, and he's there in the flames, 
And he's saying to Abraham, Abraham, please send somebody who's been risen from the dead to give to my five brothers so that they don't end up in hell with me. I have five brethren, Luke 16, 28, Luke 16, 28. I have five brethren that they may testify in them lest they come also to this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, Luke 16, 29. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. When Abraham said that to that man in hell, he was concerned about his five brothers ending up in hell and Abraham told that man, they don't need somebody grieving them dead. He says in Luke 16, 29, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. You know what Abraham was saying? He was saying, what further need have they of witnesses? They have the Bible, and the Bible is all the witness they need to testify that Jesus Christ is God. So when the high priest in verse 65 says, what further need have we of witnesses? This is what God is saying to every person who wants to know, who really wants to know if Jesus Christ is God or not. It's what Abraham said, that's God's answer to every soul wanting to know if Jesus, the question that Jesus Christ asked in Matthew 16, 15, Matthew 16, 15, whom say ye that I am? If anybody wants to know the correct answer to the question of who Jesus Christ is, Abraham said it best, Abraham said, there's already somebody in the witness box. Listen to him. Who's in the witness box? Luke 16, 29, Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. God is saying, you wanna know who Jesus Christ is? The Bible's in the witness box. The Bible's in the witness box and the Bible is speaking. Just listen to the witness of the Bible in the witness box, Luke 16, 29, Luke 16, 29. Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Moses and the prophets, they're in the witness box. Time to hear. Now, the third profound statement that the high priest made that day was, verse 65, you have heard his blasphemy. They all heard Jesus Christ loud and clear claim to be God. And the truth that Jesus Christ is God rings out loud and clear across the world so that the high, what the high priest said is true in verse 65, you have heard. So this court proceeding all came down to one question. Who is Jesus Christ? That's the whole trial here. Who is Jesus Christ? Not what did he do, not what did he teach, but who is he? And this all means that all the teaching of Jesus Christ pushes to one goal. And that goal is, Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me. Luke 14, 26, come unto me. John 5, 40, come to me. John 6, 37, come to me. John 6, 44, come to me. Come to me, come to me. That's the goal. Not come to my teaching, not come to my morality, not come to my religion, not come to my wisdom, not come to my church, but come to me. And this is the emphasis of all Jesus Christ was teaching and saying, come to me. It all hinges on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The utmost importance is Matthew 16, 15, Matthew 16, 15. Whom say ye that I am? 
The utmost importance is who is Jesus Christ and what is my relationship to him? Because there's not a position too high that a person can ascribe to Jesus Christ. And there's not a position too low that a person can take to worship Jesus Christ because of who he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our sterling person of Jesus Christ, the prisoner in this court. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.